Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Politicana. Today we are in episode 12. It is December 4th. I hope everyone's doing well. Of course, you got me, your host, uh, Tyler, with my co-host, as always, Pratik. How's it going today, Pratik? How's it going in North Carolina? How's your life been? How are the holidays going? Uh, everything's good. Holidays been good. North Carolina is awesome. Um, yeah, ready for a new show. So with our, with our episode today, we're going to be talking about Biden's cabinet appointments. Um, and according to a CNN story, them, them uh, increasing the pressure on Biden on him diversifying his cabinet. Then we're going to talk about former Secretary of Defense Mattis being anti-America first, after which we'll talk about Pennsylvania shutting down liquor sales during Thanksgiving. After that, we'll talk about Dominion voting systems. Was there fraud and what do we know? Then we're going to take it off with our Biden's gaffe of the day stimulus talks and then ended up with the legalization of marijuana question mark so tyler let's start let's start with the biden cabinet appointments yeah so as everyone can see we have plenty of topics today it's going to be a real action-packed episode so tune in the whole time uh, i'm sure you'll get some good value out of this so like you just mentioned we're hopping straight into biden's cabinet appoint appointments so he had recently appointed his cabinet even though there's some dispute on who won the election at this point um, all, we, we, can, we can bet that Joe Biden is probably going to be the next president. Uh, given what's going on, we can't say that for certain, but it seems likely at this point in time. Uh, what we were just talking about is uh, what's interesting with these cabinet picks is it seems like there are a lot of moderate picks uh, really not trying to ruffle fe feathers with any of the establishment. It seems like they're getting uh, very moderate picks that uh, maybe aren't as left-leaning as some of the more liberal types would have liked. Yeah, so with the appointments that they have, so the first one is Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. So she would be replacing Steven Mnuchin. She was the former Federal Reserve Chair. And Janet Yellen um, was like any other Federal Reserve Chair. They're not really particularly political ended on any, any side of the spectrum. But both parties usually hate the Federal Reserve whenever like they're in power, just because the Federal Reserve has their own brain and how they decide certain things and certain policies with monetary policy. Then he has the chief of staff, Ron Klein. Ron Klein was an Ebola coordinator. So he went during the Obama administration. So he was helping handle the Ebola crisis and how things were going on. It's kind of weird that he made him chief of staff of all things he could have made him, but he's chief of staff. Then they have secretary of state, Anthony Blinken. Uh, Blinken was the deputy, deputy secretary of state to John Kerry whenever Obama, during Obama's administration. Then there was also more Obama administration people. The Surgeon General is Vivek Murthy. He was also there during Obama's time. Special presidential envoy for climate is John Kerry. Then there's the national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, who was also there during the Obama. And the only people that are, were not there during Obama's time were Janet Yellen and Neera Thunden, who is the Obama, OMB director. Yeah, so, so what can, I, what, can I give what, a quick what, shout out actually to Janet Yellen? Uh, she's actually the first woman to have the, the position of uh, Secretary of Treasury, I believe. And she's the first person to have wielded economic power from the White House, the Federal Reserve, and the President's Cabinet. So that, that, it's pretty groundbreaking for her. So just quick congrats to her. Yeah. So no, what is weird though, is like with all of those picks, a lot of them are from the Obama administration. So there has been a lot of stories that have been being posted through a lot of liberal mainstream media sources like CNN, 
arguing that Biden needs to um, diversify his cabinet a little bit more. They feel like he has a lot of the same people from Obama's administration times, and they feel Obama wasn't left enough for what the party needs. And they were feeling that they needed some more faces that were representative of the minority populations and the LGBT populations. So they don't feel that Obama, that Biden is, has gone, has like been out of the box enough and trying to get his cabinet to be more representative of the American population. It's very interesting. Yeah. I feel like this is what we would have expected. Biden doesn't exactly. really, isn't going to do anything special. He's going to be like Obama 2.0. Nor he should he have any, he he's won. He's, he's gotten the votes of the far left people and now he doesn't need them anymore. That's kind of what happened. And like, he doesn't want to ruffle any feathers after a Trump presidency, people aren't going to get too mad at him as long as he toes the line. I think this is exactly what we were expecting going into this, uh, basically a second Obama. And, you know, given his comments about maybe getting sick and having to step down, maybe a Kamala Harris presidency one day. <laughs> but what I, what I do find funny is that if you look at some of these people, right, like whenever Trump was there, before Trump, most of these agencies that had different department heads, no one really knew who any of these people were. But when Trump came in, he made it so like, I feel like the media made it so scrutinized his whole administration that we knew about so much stuff going on in his administration. So even things like housing secretary, before um, Ben Carson was um, appointed that in Trump's administration, it was Julian Castro during Obama's administration. And how that was all weird is that Julian Castro also had no background in housing, but Ben Carson, they made out such a big deal that he had no background in housing. Same with like EPA. They had that Scott Pruitt guy and then Andrew Wheeler from the Trump administration. And both of those people were like heavily scrutinized by the media. They were like called all kinds of names. They were all pictured as like these really anti-environment people in charge of the environment. And this is going to be a disaster. And then they had Betsy DeVos from the Secretary of Education, which she, um, along with the guy that came before, I think his name was like Josh King. They were all like random, you know, election, like education think tank people. But they made such a big deal about Betsy DeVos being there because she was all about school choice. And I mean, that's part of the Republican, you know, administration, like, you know, agenda lines. So I just find that to be really funny how like, they heavily scrutinize all these random like agency picks that no one would have ever thought to care that much about what the Department of Education was doing or what the HUD department was doing. But now that's all in the center stage all of a sudden because they heavily scrutinize Trump. So Tyler, I'm like really curious, what are your thoughts? Do you think that's going to be the same thing with Biden throughout each of his agencies, the amount of scrutiny that Trump got, will it transfer to Biden? Oh, certainly not. But it's also because uh, Biden just doesn't bring attention to himself nearly as much. I think we're going to have a much quieter political scene than we've had over the past four years. I don't think I don't think people are going to pay much attention to it because it's not going to get the same headlines it did. When you say this appointee was a Trump appointee, you automatically get a bump in viewership because people actually want to see that. When Biden says he picks Joe Schmo, some moderate guy for whatever cabinet position, they, people just assume it's like Obama and they're like, okay, I'm fine with that. Or I'm far left and I'm angry, but uh, I, I don't think it's going to really ruffle any feathers. I don't think the media is going to care. I think the media cares about what gets them clicks and views. I think they are partisan, but only insofar as it helps their own monetary agenda. So see, I have my problems with that whole philosophy. My main problem is that 
if Republicans have issues with any of these administration picks, I remember during the Obama times, all these people that were picked to be on Obama's administration were like the best you could find in the stock. You didn't know who a lot of these people were, but that was what the mainstream media fed you. You were taught to believe that all these people that were chosen from all these different agencies like Secretary of Education, EPA, et cetera, et cetera, they were all the best you could find for those positions. And most of those people were all career politicians that had nothing to do with any of the any of the departments that they were put in the head of. Like, you know, we would think generally, oh, Department of Education, that means you should have a teacher or somebody that has anything, something to do with education as a part of the position. That's never been the case. The first teacher and someone that had some academic knowledge who was also African-American was under George W. Bush. That was the first secretary of yeah. education that didn't have any political backing or leaning or didn't have any politics affiliated with them before he got elected or appointed. So I just feel like that's like the it's like this media brainwash. Media makes you think and believe that whatever these people do is perfect and whatever the other side that they don't like does is wrong. And my only issue is that regardless of whether we like these people or not, at least the media, because they're the news, as a journalism major myself, like I feel bad that the media is so biased. They are controlled by whatever interest that puts to like tells them what to do. And the media doesn't provide a two picture side angle. So it's not, it's like a, you had to think of a picture frame, right? If there is multiple angles to the story, the news, news's job is to explain all those different angles. It's your job and my job to decide whether we agree or disagree with that news story. And what I feel about with a lot of the stuff going on right now, especially with like the media being so anti-Trump, is that anything Trump does is wrong. And we're, there's no reason to question it because Trump did it. So it's wrong. It's not like, oh, why did Trump do it? Who did what? What made Trump do it? What were the benefits of having this person? No, it's always negative. And that's my issue. But, but do you do you do you think you understand why that's the case? Or do you just think it's pure partisanship? Because I see like structurally how that could be the case. I, I see why a media company who is up against other media companies to get a leg up on them, they start doing more tabloidy opinion piece kind of stuff because that's what people read and get views. Back in the day when we had two newspapers, you really didn't have, I'm not saying things were right back then or it people were propagandized, then, but too. when you only have two options, you know, I mean, it, there's no competition. So it's maybe it's easier for them just to show both sides of an argument. Maybe they didn't, they could have still, like I said, just picked one side and run with it. But in the current environment, given the amount of competition in media and what gets clicks and what, what doesn't, I understand why media companies uh, have more of an opinion than we would like. If you're absolutely bipartisan, no opinion, you're just not going to get the same amount of viewership. You're not going to be as competitive. I look at, at it as a competitive industry where people are buying for the top. If you want to be on the top, you got to get the most views, the most clicks. The way to do that is to be outrageous a little bit. Well, that's like fair. that's how like these giant YouTube stars now they become famous. They do outrageous things, and that's that's we're in an outrage culture at the moment. I mean, that's fair, but see, when we get when you study journalism, right? There's like this ethical thing. Like me, even me, even regardless of how biased I am, I was never allowed to report on political news stories because I was always involved somewhat in politics. 
everybody it's like like if i talked about sports i can't be like a big hornets fan and then be like bashing all the other teams because they're not the hornets well like, you, you would be alone in that because everyone yeah, else does that no one's hornets fans but what my point is, is that <laughs> with with the news the whole issue is that we are all trained to like study whatever we really believe in our own bias so if i am a hardcore republican I am not going to watch MSNBC for multiple reasons. And if I am a hardcore Democrat, I am not going to watch Fox News for multiple reasons. But my issue is, is that when it becomes that, the news is no longer the news. All you have is political news channels. The news channels are just, there's like political story channels. That's the best way to put it. You're right. They all tell a narrative. And my whole point is journalism, real journalism is all dead. Everybody is controlled by somebody else and they are all controlled by some other media conglomerate or some other media financial interest that is telling them what to say. And my only issue is that whenever we are all like, we're, they're not, everybody's not like us. You have some people like us that would listen to both sides and we listen to Rush Limbaugh and then we listen to Rachel Maddow and we're like, all right, this is what the extreme right and the extreme left says. I don't really think Rush Limbaugh is that extreme right. I would put Sean Hannity on that category. But my point is, is that whenever you look at things like that, the whole conversation changes. And what, what we political pundits, people like us that are interested in politics, we're doing that. But a lot of people in our country aren't. They can't differentiate between what's bias and what's actual news. They can't discern fact from fiction. And my whole point is that most people, 80% of our population doesn't have time to go analyze every single news story and read about every single angle. To Nor story. do they care to. Let's be honest here. Yeah, most people don't, but, they don't give a crap. Exactly. But because they don't give a crap, it's the news's job to some extent to provide more fair and balanced news. I mean, if you are biased, sure, be biased all the way, but show what each side believes. Then be like, our opinion is this, but your opinion may differ, but this is our opinion. And you can stand firm by it however much you want to stand firm by it. But if that's really a gap in the market, someone would have probably filled it by now. I'm not saying it's impossible, but like I said, if I'm competing against CNN, Trump Trump did this, and I'm like, there was an executive order to accomplish this and it may accomplish this. And the other side thinks it won't like, while I would like to believe one will be more like that would be more popular. I can't see that being the case, especially given the fact that people just want quick. Most of the time people only need to see a headline to form an opinion. They don't even actually need to read it. So I don't know. I think it's, it's a really tough question. And this goes into the question of, should you have some kind of state run media? Obviously there's a chance they're propagandized, but oh, on that the other would be hand, legit propaganda. True, but on the other hand, at least you would have a better shot of it being more balanced, something like NPR. So, and this is like that's where the weird balance comes in. It's like, what is the best way to get the most truth? We don't we can't even agree on what the truth is. So I don't know how we're gonna get to that point, but I think that's the goal. I know. I mean, I'm just I'm just thinking about it from that perspective. I study because you're right. Like eth- ethically, you're totally in the right. Like hundred yeah. percent agree with you. I'm just trying to see how we apply those ethics and give people an incentive to use them in the real world at these sure. companies. So I guess that's enough of that. But we sure. get but we get the Biden appointment thing. I mean, it's all kind of like it's he just like towing the line. So now let's talk about the next topic. Our next topic is about former Secretary of Defense Mattis writing an article claiming that he's becoming anti-America first. So 
Uh, and Mattis is basically telling Obama as well, uh, Biden as well, that he doesn't want Biden to be um, America first in national security. It's kind of very weird. So this is a story. Um, in a foreign affairs article, foreign affairs is this weird magazine that all these political buffs read because they think is really legit, titled Why U.S. Security Depends on Alliances Now More Than Ever. And Mattis was the co-author with three other political pundits. And Mattis was obviously the former Secretary of Defense for Donald Trump. And he he says that the Trump administration was undermining on international order, that is to America's advantage by devaluing the role allies and international institutions play in securing America's interests. They wrote that they hope that Biden's team will quickly revise the national security strategy to eliminate America first from its contents. So what I find weird about this is generally speaking, like Paul, any like with national security, you have to think of American interests first. That's literally the entire role. Whether you're Secretary of Defense, Secretary of State, whatever it is, like you have to think of what is benefiting America. Then you think about how it's going to benefit everybody else because you're representing America. If you are from Kazakhstan or you're from China, you're going to be thinking, what has been the best interest for my country? That's why they get put into these national security positions in the first place. So, Tyler, like my thought process is that. So what are your thoughts? Like, do you think former Secretary of Defense basically was arguing that we shouldn't promote American interests first? Or was I looking at that in a weird way? I think it's more of a denouncing of Trump than it is, let's not put America first, totally. Because in, in a statement, he said, Donald Trump is the first president in my lifetime who does not try to unite the American people, does not even try to pretend. Instead, he tries to divide us. It seems like all of his anger is towards Trump because he did step down after, I think it was something to do with Syria in 2018. So he's not a fan of Trump at all. And while... While I agree we can't be anti-first, no country should be anti their own country. That makes no sense. You want what's best for your own people. What if it's beneficially, optically, to say you're doing that, even if your actions say otherwise? So let's say we need to, to, further, to establish ourselves once again as the leader of the world. What's the way to do that? We need to unite people. And the only way to unite them is by saying, no, it's not all about us anymore. We actually want to bring you guys into this game. We want to be help, more helpful for everyone. So to me, it just seems like he's trying to, whatever Trump's foreign policy was, he just wants to smash it with a hammer. He wants it to disappear. And uh, while I, I personally, I think you should be more of an American first policy, I can somewhat understand where he's coming from. If you believe, if you have the foreign policy beliefs of like Obama, for instance, I see, I see where you're coming from. So I don't know. My, my only thought process here is that when it comes to national security, the issue is that America has always been, what do you call it, the most dominant country in the world. And we have two major rivals, Russia and China. And we're all fighting for a sphere of influence, right? What happens is that America always tries, in before Trump, would always suck up to whatever these other two powers said to make sure that it stabilized peace and created international peace in the world. In the process, Russia became much more of a dominant country around the world in terms of their military strength and in terms of their energy, um, you know, supplying around the world, including places like Europe and the Middle East. While like same with China, everything is made in China. Most of our products come from China. China is involved in most well, one things question. that have... 
Yeah. So, what, what, weren't the Russians supplying gas to Germany for like a long time? Like that's not new. Maybe they solidified themselves as the main provider. See, they say that, but you think about this rationally. All of it, their energy and electricity is coming from Russia and Germany. So if that's the case, then how much anti can you be Russia? You can be all vocal about being anti-Russia, but then they all have the same voting record for some reason, right? The UN is like the most like lovey-dovey peaceful area with all these countries being on one page and then Russia and China being the fighters. And then these other countries sucking up to whatever Russia and China says because Russia and China are so powerful. And my whole thing is, which we've talked about, my only reason mainly that I really like Trump's foreign policy, whether or not I'm not going to go into specific details, is because he put America in that, he put America as like the main fighter base for all those countries to some extent, because he's like, all right, we want to do what makes, what is best for America. And if we do what is best for America, these other countries benefit as well to some extent. But you have to think of what's benefiting your own country first. What they had been doing is just kind of like the yes man game. Everybody, like these two countries say something and then there's like some, you know, angry, hostile conversation that happens. And then in the end of the day, we all get along and we all love each other because we don't want to start a war with anybody. And the whole problem with that is that these other two countries were taking advantage of everybody else. And my whole issue with the Obama, with the Obama administration was that Obama, we provided more foreign aid to every single country than any other country in the entire world during Bush, Obama, and Trump. All three of those presidents were involved in any international situation that happened, any international crisis. If there was some bombing that happened, if there was a tsunami, if there was a hurricane, whatever, our resources and aid went to help those countries, you know, rebuild and redevelop themselves. And we've been doing that policy since Harry Truman in the 1950s. We haven't really changed in foreign policy, but we have so much money and so much interest and so much ties around the world, basically maintaining this peaceful international order where we're benefiting everybody and also benefiting us to some extent by maintaining peace and my whole problem is with that logic is that all right now you're gonna say that we don't need to worry about ourselves and worry about these other people when most of the people's tax money that are american citizens has been going to finance a lot of this stuff that we do internationally whether or not we agree or disagree with their former presidents and what we've done in the past we can't worry about that now. We got to move forward and take those benefit, take those policies and their pros and cons, and in, establish policies that are going to benefit us and benefit the world in the future. And all those things that they talk about are so backwards. You can't complain and be sad about everything that America does because everybody is looking out for their own interests. They're all like business people, and they're like business people in the government international world too. And you worry about everybody, but you put your own interests first. And in the process, you're probably benefiting a lot of other people because a lot of people have mutual interests. I think the person on the other side would say a rising tide raises all ships. So it's sure we're we're not going to be the only ones getting better and growing we're, we're going to have everyone doing it but we're still going to stay at the top it really comes down to what you believe like like what what realm of foreign policy theory you follow like if you're a political realist you're 100 percent going to agree with you but if, if you're more of like i don't know if you believe if you believe something like the un is feasible and works and is productive then you know you're going to have a different opinion but i i personally agree with you so it's hard for me to debate the other side <laughs> Yeah, 
I don't know. I I just I just feel like when we look at a lot of this stuff in terms of defense policy, because this is defense policy. If this was even the Secretary of State maybe arguing this, yeah, sure, diplomatically you need to do certain things to, you know, make everybody get along and that's part of your job as a Secretary of State. But as a Secretary of Defense, you're focused on defense. You're focused on maintaining your military, maintaining your like, you know, alliances everywhere, maintaining your military presence. And that's why that always sounds strange to me. Like you wouldn't have ever heard any other former secretary of defense make a statement like that. I do think there's a balance. I do think even with their approach, they could still be hard on China. Still, to some extent, be hard on Russia, even though you say it's very difficult. I understand that. But I think there's some kind of balance that can be achieved. We'll see. Mm hmm. And with that, right. we'll hop on to the next topic. We got Pennsylvania shutting down liquor sales during Thanksgiving because that's super smart. Let's just piss off everyone during Thanksgiving. <laughs> All right. So in an effort to curb the spread of COVID-19, before Thanksgiving happened, Pennsylvania announced that residents would not be allowed to drink alcohol at bars or restaurants the night before Thanksgiving. However, people could still go inside those bars and restaurants to get a drink to go. So I just thought it was kind of weird. Like, you're not going to let them drink inside, but they can still go inside. I don't know. At a certain point, drink. it just feels like we're being cheated, treated like children. So yeah. you can have a drink, but only if you leave. Like, it, it just sounds silly to me. I'm okay it's with that. It's a Democrat's masks. idea, man. You got to regulate, regulate, regulate until you run out of regulating. And then you got to figure out a new way to regulate. Yes, exactly. No, like anything, there's a balance. There's a balance. And to me, this is overboard. I think people are being overproductive. But then you have such a big voter base that's basically like, I, I'm afraid to leave my house. Do everything you can to stop people from getting it. If it stops it's at 1%, cut it out. Cut out alcohol. Even though during this time, I understand why people drink, to be honest. I know, but you see, this is, this is the same kind of thing. Like now with this COVID stuff breaking out, right? Like, they're, like, talking about, oh, people need to wear masks inside the house. And, like, you need to wear, like, you know, when you're around people that you haven't been around in a long time, you need to wear the mask because you're protecting others. It's like, you're not. You're, if you have coronavirus, then you wear the mask so other people don't get it. You yourself are not protecting anybody, but the person that has it needs to protect they'll them, say they'll protect say other people from you they'll say too many people are asymptomatic so people that don't know they have it could have it but then there's no argument against it basically like what do you say to that i don't but know see, dude, the weird thing is is all these people that stay at home all day your work at home population are the weirdos and i say they're the weirdos because they haven't gone anywhere most of us regular people the people that are probably the most has a higher chance of getting it your regular working class people that are not your top percent wealth income people, those people have to go work and they have to go places all the time. If they wear masks literally every day, everywhere they go, they literally can't. The fact that if you people, if people are in like a non-public area wearing masks, if they're at home wearing masks, it's automatically kind of weird and it's really suffocating. These masks are not the most like easily breathable situation thing. And now you have people that are also at home that have a hard time with like asthma and other things like that. Like you have people that have a hard time breathing in general. And mainly people, the people that are getting affected the most are old people. Old people have the hardest time breathing. Okay. Like they have a harder time breathing than younger people do on most cases. 
So, like, it's just a strange scenario. And, like, it's weird how, like, now Biden won, right? So now this mask stuff is going to last for another year. It's going to be like, oh, we got to wear a mask everywhere you go. That's fine. Wear it in public. But no, you got you to gotta sleep with a mask type logic. Like, there's places where you had to give up. There's always a chance something bad is going to happen. Like, there is a chance something bad will happen to you at any given point with or without corona. Like, there's germ stuff spreads everywhere. So, you can't literally live in a shell all day and feel all scared. You know, it's funny. Gonna happen to People you. are, like, developing agoraphobia. The fear of everything. The fear of death. The fear of everything. It's really weird. Like, even it's- though I, I know some family members that are, like, they're literally afraid to do anything, go anywhere. I'm like, sure, it's not great out there. But if you're, like, not 70 plus, like, you're probably going to be pretty good you know and literally even if when we get the coronavirus vaccine i feel like these people are still going to be scared to leave their house they're like biden stuck in the basement like dude people need to go places you can't just be stuck wherever you are and like expect that you know things are like you're that you're safe like you something can always happen to you wherever you are you can't be living in a cave. Like you have to be like willing to go places. Not, and there's always a chance something's gonna happen. But you wearing the mask the whole time isn't protecting anything. It's only mainly it, you wear it in public areas because you don't know who has it and who doesn't. But like in most places, people already know who has it and who doesn't. And there's always a chance that something can happen to someone without them knowing about it. But you can't live in that fear all the time. That fear mongering is the whole problem. If you're mong- if, if literally everybody just stayed at home all day and worked from home, like you're never gonna go anywhere. You're just gonna be like stuck in your home. It kills yeah. all social interactions. You can't just talk to people on Zoom. That's per- weird. Personally, I have no problem with masks, but we all have as a society got to consider the external effects of this. So in Japan, for instance, they had more people in October die from suicide than had died from COVID over the past since it started. So it's like, you got to think of like, if someone, if people lose all their money and they end up killing themselves or they lose their money, they can't feed themselves or they get sick in another way and can't like take care of the, there's so many other factors that we haven't really considered in this situation. We're affecting so many people in uh, negative ways and we're not accounting for the fact that we've affected them. We're only, we're only looking at the health, the health effects, which are really, really important, but there are, there are millions of other people that just need to live their lives at some point. We can't just, like you said, be hiding in a cave all day. Mental health and depression are major issues right now. People like to talk about, oh, coronavirus is killing all these people and all this stuff. But that stuff is really hurting a lot of people's personal lives as people are becoming all depressed, staying at home. And it helps. It, it hurts your physical health. When, when your mental health goes, so does your physical health. And then you're more susceptible to disease. They haven't really been. And they're closing down gyms, even though. How are you going to stay healthy if you can't go to the gym? You know, so it's like there's so many things that we're just not taking into account. We can shut down everything, but you're not even you're not going to be you're putting a bandaid on this issue. Till we have some kind of verified vaccine, you're just bandaiding it up. It's weird, though. You think about this. You can go out and protest. That's your public right. You can do it with a mask, without a mask. Ain't nobody going to no stop drink, you. no drink on Thanksgiving, but- though. <laughs> yeah social distancing that's a big thing but whenever these people protest they be jumping up and uh, jumping up on top of each other but you can do that that's okay but now you can't go eat in a restaurant because if you eat in a restaurant you can potentially cause somebody else to get coronavirus like dude like it's all strange like yeah if you're gonna have that logic have that logic with everything 
They all want schools to open up, but they want all the bars and gyms and restaurants to close. I'm surprised that all these bar, gym, restaurant owners didn't vote in tremendous numbers for Trump because now their whole business is going to tank after Joe Biden becomes president. Imagine, like literally till now, it's been bad. Like since February, it's been bad for everybody. And a lot of the stuff has been closed down. Imagine how much worse it can be under a Biden administration. These people literally watch Kramer all day on CNBC, who's always negative, talking about how, oh man, there's going to be more cases now. We're all going to die. Let's let's all stay home. Until, until we all stay home, we're all going to die. Like, dude, you can't live with that mindset. That mindset is destroying the country. Like, you got to be somewhat optimistic. If you're like, oh, man, if I go outside, I might get hit by a bus. There's a chance you can get hit by a bus. Is it less than one point for I, less than I actually, chance? But it can my happen. last comment on this, I think there was a lot of generalized anxiety caused by COVID. And I think a lot of that, that anxiety was focused on Trump. So the anxiety felt about this whole situation was aimed at Trump. And now that Trump's going, people are going to have to find a new way to point their anxiety. So people are going to continue to freak out say there's another wave coming. I don't want to keep talking about it too long because I feel like people hear about this all day, every day. But yeah, yeah, crappy situation for everyone. But with that, we do have a really fun topic up next. Uh, it has to do with the Dominion voting system, the voting system used for the election. So Prateek, dive into it for us. Okay, so... Sorry if this sounds boring. Uh, it's it's an intense topic. I just gave you a big, like, nice opening speech. <laughs> and Sorry. To t- Come on, man. You're throwing me under the bus. All right. So was there fraud? What do we know? Question mark. So the Dominion voting system is a system that has been used for the past two elections, which handles how the ballots are processed. Both sides have complained about it manipulating ballot results for the past two elections, In 2016, many Democratic conspiracy theorists argued that the Russians had gotten into the system to manipulate how the ballots were counted. This was then a piece of the big national news story that encompassed the Russians rigging the election. A lot of these people conveniently forgot about all that scenario whenever it was happening to them back then. Now it's the other side around. So um, with the recent election, Republicans are now arguing that the Dominion system was made to purposely miscount votes and failed to count some votes that would have supposedly been given to Trump. According to a senior advisor for the Trump campaign by the name of Jenna Ellis, she said that there are some who are saying that the difference is fewer than 10,000 or so votes that could have been affected, but states can't verify their elections without an audit being done on the Dominion voting system machines, and that tally could affect at least 29 states. Then this got carried on further. Rudy Giuliani and Trump's team of lawyers have also argued that the system has has connection to Venezuela. There are, specific, there are very specific accusations, though, in my opinion, that like that need to be investigated just like the Russian hoax was four years ago and various conservative pundits, including Rush Limbaugh and Glenn Beck are, are like, you know, fighting for the Trump side saying that there might've been some corruption and we need to look into this in more detail. So what we know um, as non, you know, people that don't know as much as basic people uh, is that it's a Denver based company from Toronto um and we want i mean it, all we can tell say is like it could be interesting to see if there is some correlation with chavez and if there was any kind of manipulation of the voting system 
there's all kinds of new stories and rumors coming around left and right. And it's like, we won't know anything until like the evidence is looked at. And even when it's looked at, you're going to have people that are going to agree with it and don't agree with it. But I just feel like from my perspective, as somebody that experienced the 2016 election and wasn't on the Hillary Clinton side, is that if that was what they did for four years, that was Russian hoax. We didn't really know anything. There was like a mini chance that something bad would have happened. But we went through the whole process, had various trials and committee hearings on talking about whether Russia did potentially rigged the election it did go from start from the dominion voting system which people conveniently forget now because you know it happened that time and it was their people now those same people four years from now are saying that the election system was perfect and there was no rigging and anything involved but four years ago those were the people that were willing to protest and fight and do all kinds of stuff to try to argue that the election system was rigged and that Russians all came all the way from Russia and purposefully manipulated the voting system to make Trump win. It was just so much conspiracy back then that now conspiracies don't really like mean anything, but it's like you should give all conspiracies the same line of thought. Like if you were going to complain about that for four years, like if there's any even like one percent chance that this could be like corrupt or whatever, you should look into it. That's yeah, just yeah. my thoughts. What I, are yours? Yeah, so I, I agree with you there. But you're so you you like to frame this as they did this, therefore we do this. And just how I'm looking at the situation, Trump's best case scenario to me is the worst case scenario for America. So the best thing that can happen for Trump is all of this is true. The election cannot count because there's too much voter fraud going on. I think that's the worst thing that could have happened out of this whole election. I think it's better that Biden become president than that happen personally, because that just that just rips us apart. I have a question, though. What about the 77 million people that voted for Trump? Do you think if they if like 90 percent of those people? I don't know what percentage of them probably believe this is rigged, but I'd get rather say that it's probably more of them or not because most of these, most of us people are just pissed about our side winning or losing. Right. So the people that were all about Russia's election was rigged. 2016 was rigged by the Russians or whatever. We're all on the Hillary Clinton side and they really felt strongly about it just because Trump win and they didn't like Trump. Right. A lot of them, most of us don't know Jack. The only people that know Jack are the people are the, are the ones that are like in power. We don't know much. We just know whatever is told to us by multiple news sources and whatever people that we listen to tell us. So if that was then, my argument is, sure, potentially, that I don't know what this whole particular system with the Dominion thing, how it is. Then we won't know till December 14th. And it's kind of a weird scenario for us to even talk about it because we don't really know about how the entire election machines work. All we know is that this is the system being used and people have been complaining about it for a while. Like my only thing is that if that 77 million people felt the same way as those people in Hillary Clinton's campaign did back then, those 77 million people, a large percentage of them will lose faith in voting. They will lose faith in our system. They will lose faith in believing that our elections happen like in a perfect non-rigged way. You don't think that's the case if we find out our elections were tampered with to a degree that we cannot even count them for the first time in American history for both sides like- in me, in my opinion, that would lead to distrust on both. That leaves, leaves complete distrust in the system. Leaves, it leaves us absolutely divided wide open to any kind of foreign influence. 
But see, it just seems dangerous. You look at it this way, though. This is the first election that wasn't counted in one day. It took them weeks to figure out who won certain states. And, and I, here's another thing. I want to say there absolutely should be investigations. I'm not saying at all there shouldn't be investigations. All I'm saying is if this is true, we're fucked. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's the worst case scenario for everyone, in my opinion, if this is true. That's how I'm I see not it. Saying, I'm not saying that is rigged, okay? Like, I don't know. It might be rigged. It might not be rigged. I don't know. We'll find out. But you're saying we need to find out, basically. Decision. What'd you say? You're saying we need to find out. Yeah. And I, and, I agree with you there. I agree my, with you. My only thing is, like, if you don't find out and you don't go through the process, those 77 million people that voted for Trump, at least, like, 50, 60, maybe 70% of those people will never vote again. Most of those people didn't probably vote before this election anyway. So, like... These people are going out of their way to vote for Trump because they felt Trump was their guy. A lot of these old school Republican people, like even these people that are like in the Senate and stuff, weren't particularly fond of Trump. So like you can't really say that it's the entire Republican Party, but the Republican Party got a lot more millions of voters because Trump was the candidate, which might go away soon if like. Yeah, these people won't vote for anyone anymore if you don't go through thorough investigations. And I don't blame them. You support somebody, you believe in this person, blah, blah, blah. But the media is constantly on the opposite end of the stick. And when this was their side, when this was Hillary Clinton's election and Trump won, then all the media outlets were all against Trump, at least most of them. But, but there was like, some divide. Now what? it's just like all of them, even Fox News is anti-Trump. Like, when does that happen? And if you are a voter that voted for one of those people, you feel like you got lost, like your vote doesn't matter. You don't matter in the system. No one cares about what you believe. They care about what their side believes and their side is going to talk about if you don't believe in us, then you're racist and homophobic and whatever you are. So like, if that's how they feel about the system, they're no longer going to trust your system. And I feel like if you do it and then there is rigging elections and it does happen, as you said, people are still not going to be less trustworthy of the thing. And if there is more corruption, it looks bad on so, America. See, I want to ask you, anyway. what's your best case scenario for all what's this? What's my best case? Yeah. how? Tell me the end game that would be the best for how you perceive the, this political game. I'm already on where you are when you're worst case theory. I think that already exists. We are already in a state where most people in our country, at least half of them. Where Trump threatens can't. martial law over a, a no, no, vote no, fraud? Because like that's that. been thrown not, around. Not like that. That's not been like thrown that. around. That's I'm been thrown around. I'm talking about people's faith in the system. If this election was one of the most controversial elections that we have had to date, with an old guy that can't speak in front of a room without screwing up at least one or two sentences and gaffing every time he speaks to with this other guy that's like extreme, like in terms of how he thinks about stuff and the words that he uses are not. The one says stupid stuff on purpose. One says stupid stuff, not on purpose. Yes. <laughs> they both they say stupid yes. stuff. <laughs> My point is that if that's your scenario and if most of the people that are Democrat are Democrat because they don't like Trump, and the other side, most of them are Republican because Trump is their candidate. Like you, you have to give that, you have to look into this stuff more in detail. Many of those people's votes are already lost. Most people in our country that were Trump supporters no longer believe in the system. 
they are not going to vote for Republicans anymore. Republicans may not be in office in four years that are in office right now. And the stupid Republican Party doesn't understand that. They're still lost in their train of thought. Oh, yeah, Trump's gone. Now we can get some other new Republican candidate and we're going to get all these people back again. No, those people are already lost. You're not voting again. Those people may never vote again in any election for the next five or six elections until a new Trump-esque candidate comes into the forefront. My point is that it looks bad on the democracy of our country. The fact that people are so untrustworthy, like 40% of the people in our country don't trust elections anymore. If that's your scenario, who are you trying to like, please, like you can't argue that it's all going to be bad and it's not, it's like, okay, right now it's going to, it's bad regardless now. It's lost. Totally, that's totally. My but, so, that's but, my thought process. But where we are right this second, what is yeah. the best case scenario for you? Let's Nothing. say you get everything. Like the worst case scenario is already. Started. I get that, but from this from this point right here, what's the best place? What? How can we end up in the best place possible from your worldview? I just want to know, like, how, I, like I, I feel like what's going to happen is that this court stuff's going to happen. Um, the media already is like believe Biden's our candidate and Biden's the president for like. Any of these states have even like you know declared who they're. But I'm saying if you could pick state. what happens right from no, no, today, no, that's what I'm saying. If you could that's pick what, what happens, okay. That mean, but that's the best case scenario is that Biden becomes president in January, and all of us people like me will never vote again. Our votes are gone. That's it. That's the best case. We're not gonna go protest. We're not gonna go argue about it. We know it's a lost cause because the media is not on our side. Republicans in general that were all about Trump don't believe in the Republican Party anymore because the Republican Party can care less about standing up for the person that they literally won off the coattails of. And like the other side, like, yeah, sure, Biden's not going to do anything controversial now because he won the most controversial election already. So what are you going to accomplish? You're not accomplishing anything. But that's just going to be like life is going to go on like Oh, we're not going to argue. There's less Antifa riots going on right now. There's less like stuff going on. There's less news bias going on on either side. There's not too much riffraff going on. It's all coming from the Trump team. The Republican Party has already abandoned Trump. They're like moving on to the next candidate in 2024. They could care less. And my point is that you forgot about those voters that put the Republican Party there. Democrats are fine. They're happy. They got Biden. They're going to be pissed off in two years anyway, because they're going to be like, oh, Biden's not doing anything that we wanted him to do. He's not doing anything. He's the most status quo, basic, non-controversial president we've had who hasn't made any strong stands on anything. That's what they're going to feel. But that's the best case scenario. And then four years later, you're going to have Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren fight it out and Elizabeth Warren win because Biden was not too left enough for the Democratic well, Party. I could say the I, Republicans are going to lose every election for the next. I, I definitely sympathize with how you feel, because like if you feel your vote doesn't matter, I completely get that you would distrust the system. But at this point, you know, you're right. We're going to end up with a bad end game. So I'm just I'm just saying that like this is this is how many Republicans feel. It's not just me. You Most feel disenfranchised. I get it. Fight. Yeah. And when this was their side in 2016, I guarantee you, man. 
Democrats probably felt more franchised than the Republicans did. If you're a Republican, you're a Trump supporter, that means you're a racist moron that walks around and just says ne things, negative things about anybody that disagrees with them. That's what Democrats thought of you. And then the media enforced that logic because, oh, the media is for Obama. So I, I, I personally, great. I view the media differently than you. I don't view the media as CNN, Fox, whatever. And those are the, those are your media sources. To me, there are massive media followings for conservative people online. So I think those media platforms actually exist. I, I think what you mean, like I, what they would call the mainstream media is like the cable media, but I don't think that's all media personally. I think there's a large, like you said, uh, Glenn Beck yeah, and like Glenn ben, Beck, Shapiro, ben Shapiro and like Rush you got Stephen Crowder, you got these guys that have millions of followers, but they're, they have nothing to do with those cable cuts. So I think people are still getting different points of view. You just choose where you get it from. And once you yeah. pick, whether you're going to pick left or right, you just stay in that bubble. You have no reason but, to leave. But all faith in the mainstream from the Republican side is gone. The it's been gone for, it's been, go you, Trump got elected because it's gone. It's been gone for a long time. Personally. The fact that you have stand-up comedians that come on air, like Stephen Colbert, Trevor Noah, that are so left on literally everything, and like the people that watch this stuff, they're like all excited about it because they're just trashing Republicans. Like that's your scenario. Like who wants to watch that now that are Republicans? They literally lost half their viewer base. Good, like, but that but that shows you something. That means the money, the amount they get paid is based off who they can keep as viewers. If no one's going to watch, they're not going to get paid. So either that shifts, either they change their attitudes, or people just enjoy it enough where they don't have to. See, and I just feel like, dude, I, all this TV stuff is so biased towards Republicans and I against Republicans. And I mean, it just it just feels bad for me. If I was a Democrat, I'd probably be like, yeah, dude, the Democrats are right. The news is saying what we believe. The TV, all the channels, all the celebrities, all the people that you see on TV, whether stand up comedians, anyone oh, like what is it that um, the, the, the view show on ABC all those shows are literally confirming what I believe is correct. So I have to be right. Them Republicans are a bunch of loser moron suck ups. They don't know nothing. They're a bunch of morons from the hill. They're like from the, they're like hillbillies, stupid people. They don't know well, nothing. Well, I agree what with these you. People believe totally. But like, what are we going to do? You're not going to change their opinions. People are dogmatic. People, a lot of them don't think for themselves on a lot of issues, especially if they're not spending a lot of time on it. I guess I have lower expectations of people. <laughs> That's really but, it. But, but Tyler, you have to understand the whole argument with the Biden, right? Biden is the great uniting voice of America and he's going to unite you. The and argument me, for Biden was against Trump. The argument for Biden was he's, he doesn't have orange hair and he doesn't say stupid yeah. stuff as much. Like, yeah, but see, the fact is that if he was the uniting president, I feel a lot less united along with most other Republicans. You feel like you're the outcast, disenfranchised person, and you're just against what everybody else believes, and everybody wants to point it out to you every day. Trump was the most divisive president we've had in recent. Yeah, but why? Because the news, the media. No, 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 TV, no, no. I disagree. Channels, he set himself. People. He set himself up to be divisive. It was part of his platform. He would. No, but he would specifically call out items he knew. Like the whole border wall. The whole reason it came about is because he said it at a rally and he got cheers. He was like, okay, I guess that works. He doesn't care about unity. I don't think he does. I, I think a lot – the his uh, Achilles heel is his ego. That's, that's what I feel like. He's uh, incapable of uh, 
of bringing people together. We saw this with coronavirus. We saw this leading up to the election. We saw this with how I think he's responding to this voter fraud stuff. I, you know, when you when you're more focused on yourself than the unity of the nation you're supposed to be leading, you're setting yourself up for failure. That's how I feel about Trump. I mean, that's fair. My, my only point though is that I feel a lot less united. I feel like Republicans are not given like if you're worrying about uniting the country most of the country is feeling less united right now because there is so much bias against the candidate that supported the other half side on every single news media outlet that is on tv like the fact that fox news has gone more liberal and fox news was the leading peak news channel to like november they're losing a lot of their viewers to like Newsmax now because Republicans feel like that's not even good enough for them. Like we feel like we're disenfranchised. There's nothing you can do to unite us anymore. It's almost like there's two Americas and that America is the side that these people are on and we're in the other America that no one cares about. Like that's how this whole election scenario has gone. That's how the last four years have gone. That's how people felt about Trump. Yeah. But they have the side. They have that America on their side. The people that were on Trump's side were already feeling disenfranchised. We were feeling disenfranchised to such an extent that Donald Trump became the candidate of the Republican Party. If they didn't feel like that, Jeb Bush would have been your president and he would have been like boring old Jeb. Like that's what you moved away from. And like you're arguing that this stuff is all bad and we like what's the worst case scenario? We're already living the worst case scenario. But we're not because civil war to me is the worst case scenario. We're not I there mean, yet. The worst case that we have been in right now, like we can be in a worse scenario, but like the Republicans are not the Democrats. We're not going to go fight a war over this stuff. There's not, we don't have different protest groups aligned to like fighter cause and like, you know, argue well, about certain things. Then your party's you going to die. Have, That's how it works. And then you don't have people on the news that are like supporting your cause or your case all the time. Republicans are already on the losing side. We're on the losing side just because. Do you think everyone is influenced side. by the news completely? Most people, some news. I mean, most people that I don't like, I think people don't, think for themselves somewhat. I don't think they're just drones just following what they're told. But dude, think about it this way. Every story you get fed, okay? Whether it's about even this Dominion voting system story. You heard it from somewhere. You know as much facts and as much details as the different news stories have been presented to you. Whether or not you listen to one news source, whether you lose to listen to all the sources or whatever you do, you learn about your stories from somewhere and you trust that storyline system that's coming from that one place just because a lot of other news stories are arguing the same exact points as that news story. But my point is that if all those storylines are all biased and favorable toward one side, how, how much are we lost in what we are told what if we public opinions on that and, side but Tyler, could you could you accept if more people just wanted that side yeah but i also feel that you need to make it this is my point with the news like you're worried about pointing out that there's different ways to look at a story you're trying to educate your viewer 
if I am a news channel, I am trying to educate you, Tyler. They're trying to get all clicks. the different angles. They're trying to get story. clicks. That's all they're trying to do. Get clicks. But see, that's, that's the business model. That's how, that's the business model. But that's not what these people learn when they become journalists. But it doesn't. You're, it doesn't matter taught. what they learn if they don't apply it. Like I would love to live in a world with everyone's ethically pure, but it's when it's a doggy dog world, and the next guy next to you is not ethical, and you are, and he beats you. That's you know that's just how it goes. That's just how it's just how capitalism works. All right. Well, we'll move on from this topic. I mean, they kind of stretched it out. Oh yeah, but... we definitely did. And sorry for the, for the viewers, but I actually want to just since it's slightly on topic, we're gonna skip around a little bit. Uh, the House okay. just before this podcast actually voted to uh, decriminalize marijuana, which is really interesting. And I only say it because I personally believe if Trump had uh, done an executive order over the past few months doing the exact same thing there's a big chance he's president right now. You get people, less people to vote against him and you get more people to vote for him. And I think it could have bounced to millions of people because it's over 70% of the country supports something like this. So I would like to hear your thoughts on that. Do you think, uh, so uh, just to give some more context, this bill would have to be passed by the Senate, I believe by January 3rd before they adjourn. So it's really unlikely this goes and actually makes it into law. But the fact that they're bringing it up for the first time is, is a big statement. So how do you feel about that? Do you think it would have boosted Trump had he made some action uh, over the past few months? No, because I also feel that if this was to happen and you were to, if Trump was to throw an executive order about legalizing marijuana, the other side would have also tried to do certain PR statement moves that they would have been like, oh, this is because of us. We inspired Trump to do this. And now Trump's doing this because, you know, the Democratic Party has been fighting for legalization of marijuana for so long. But they and- didn't do it. And he could say it was for criminal justice reform. Yeah, he He's could. literally throwing a wrench in a lot of the platform of the Democratic Party. He could, but it's back to my news story idea line. These people that are going to get their news are going to get their viewer ideas or whatever they're going to get it from, from some liberal-based mainstream media source. Whether it's even from, like, Facebook, it's still controlled by the Democrats. So, like, you're getting your sources from those places, so they would have spun it around to make it seem like, oh, Donald Trump got inspired from the Democratic side. Donald Trump did whatever he wanted to do, but he did it because the Democrats forced him to do it, or they like made like decisions to make him do it. And then- Could anyone get Trump to do anything? No, no, but that's that's what Trump would say then. He would come out and post a tweet, he would probably screw it up because that's what Trump does. And he will say, oh, like, oh, this was my idea. Oh, I wanted to legalize weed for blah, blah, blah reasons. And now these Democrats are taking credit for what I wanted to do. And it's like- Actions speak louder than words to me. No, but see, he would have done that. And then the people that are on the Democratic side would be like, yeah, see, he wrote in there. Democrats said that this is what he wanted him to do. And no, they no. would just like spin his words. You're like, looking at it what as- they did. No, you're looking at it as Democrat, Republican. I'm thinking the general public that is not too hard Republican, too hard Democrat. They don't really give a shit what's the letter next to your name. They just want to see policies. It shows that he's more moderate. It shows he's going to work in criminal justice reform. It shows he's more liberal than you would think. He's not a white supremacist, racist guy. He wants to help with criminal justice. Uh, I think 700, almost 50% of the drug arrests last year were for marijuana. So all those people that have gotten arrested, you think they'd go, I'm still going to vote for Biden, even though these decriminalization would wipe it off the record. There are so many ways to get these voters. You have to understand this though, Tyler. The majority of the people in our country a lot of them, they don't vote. 
So like you're this getting might your get extremes. them to vote. <laughs> you're getting your extremes anyway. You're gonna get your right like Republican, hardcore Republicans and your hardcore Democrats. Those are the people that are probably reading the news, analyzing the stuff, being political pundits, or those are the people that listen to Rush Limbaugh and like Rachel Maddow all day. Like those are those people. That's your sides, right? Then these people are all in your center. The people that are all about legalizing weed are not in those extreme corners. The hardcore Democrats, they are hardcore Democrats for a lot of other various reasons. And some of them may be hardcore Democrats as well because of weed. I'm talking about the moderate voters, though. I'm not talking about extreme voters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, then you come to the moderate votes. The moderate voters are more concerned about other issues, more so than weed. But but that's a big assumption. I don't know why you would think that. I don't know. But I, I think about it this way. Majority of the people that are fighting for weed legalization right now are mainly the youth people. And then you have some criminal justice people here and there. But then those people, like the criminal justice people, they are voting for different reasons. They're not voting because of weed. They're voting. You don't about have to take all the voters, people. dude. You only need like two million voters to change just, the whole election. I, I just I don't think that you would have pulled off that many voters from weed legalization i think it would have had some impact decriminalization doesn't ruffle too yeah, many feathers but it wipes the records of people that could be voters for him that, that those are millions of people that's millions of vote potential voters that would get a direct benefit that directly helps them in a way that i don't know how else they would be helped by another president being elected so I mean, I, that's a fair assessment i can't really argue because we only know so much information has never happened before but I do argue that there, I mean, to some extent, there has never been that much of a hot topic. Doesn't it seem like a Trumpian move to do that, though? I just felt like it was such an opportunity just completely missed. Because he knew Democrats were pushing for something like this. But see, the thing about that, though, too, is that the, the old people, both sides, Democrats and Republicans, are usually not the people that are about legalizing weed. It's the younger people, older people, even Republican side. The older people, older crowd, they don't like marijuana. They don't like a lot of diff- those kind of things because it's taking away from their tobacco industries, right? The Republican side on the Democratic. And they not, don't not like the average consumer. Not, they don't not care. average, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> the lobbyists, so they just maybe. don't like that kind of stuff, right? I mean, they're more conservative minded people. On the other side, the old liberal people, there's reasons why marijuana was never legalized in those many like 30, 40 years. You had people like Biden. That were in the Senate. But now 70 percent of the American public, 70 percent supports legalization, not decriminalization. A higher percentage is going to support decriminalization than legalization. So somewhere above 70 percent of the population supports this. How does that not help you, Trent? Even if it doesn't win them the election, I think you have to admit it helps. It 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 cannot helps. If you're going to vote for Trump, are you not going to vote for him because he does it? I don't think so. But are you going to vote for Trump because he does it? See, I don't know, but that's that's where I agree. Like, yeah, that's yeah. where I'm ar- arguing with you. I get it that they won't they won't vote against him or for him because it can only like, help him in my opinion. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to it say. Can, it can only help him, but I don't know to the, what extent it would help them. I mean, it would get him some voters. Sure, you're gonna get like some youth voters. You're gonna get some young people that are like, "Whoa, boy, dude, this is rad." You're gonna you get, get Af- more African Americans. You know those people. More African Americans. Maybe for criminal justice. I don't know. They are the they are the highest prosecuted for marijuana specifically. So I don't. Again, it just seems like something directly affecting their communities. They've been fighting it for 
all these years and you think they're not going to do it because they don't like the guy. I no, don't think so. I don't think that marijuana would be the difference maker for a lot of African-American voters. I, that's my, I thing. disagree. A lot of, a lot of people that are African-American voters, they're voting based on civil rights or they're voting on how criminal and justice have the Republican side that are arguing that are African-American that are arguing, Oh, Republicans are doing stuff better for the economy, helping us get out of poverty or whatever. But see, like, that's a side, and I'm sure it has some impact, but I don't think it would have got Trump over the If you get arrested for marijuana, you don't get a job. You're affected economically. That happens to countless people, and they're getting arrested for something that almost everyone agrees shouldn't be illegal. So I, to me, I personally think that you get a decent chunk, at least a few percent, and all that's you bad. need is a few percent to swing the election. This is a very, very close election. You only need a small amount of people to change it. Why didn't he throw a Hail Mary? Was he that confident he was going to sweep? Like, come on now. It just seems silly to me to not even, not even bring up the conversation. All he has to do is throw it out. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Might delete later. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> you know what I mean though? It's just, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not arguing. It's all really. theoretical. I, I, like I completely get that. You're right. You're probably right that it would have done some benefits if he was to legalize it. But I also feel like there would have been a lot of other hindrances and things in place that would have prevented him from doing some drastic stuff like that, which we're like not what? taking into Executive order, what are you going to do? No, because he's working on his own base, right? You're worried about your own base. Will you lose any of your own base voters? No. You might gain not some to voters. Bite him. Yes, but no. Because I feel like people that were Biden supporters were Biden supporters for XYZ, various other reasons. That they're not just going to tr- switch to Trump because we legalized. But they might. But now you they will might. have some voters. You're right. You will have some people that would probably be your moderates that don't generally vote that are like, you know, somehow impacted or affected by weed being criminalized that will be like, whoa, this guy legalized it. It's benefiting us. This is helping us. Let's go vote for him. You get those voters. But I don't know if those people are enough to get Trump over. Can I give you a fun fact? Yeah. 55% of adults ages 65 and older support adult legalization. 55% of the 65 and older age group. That's, you have, you have the majority in every age group. Why was, why was no one looking at this? I give up. Why was no one looking? I just, I, I don't know. If I were on that campaign, I would have just said Trump, yo. yo, Trump. You don't give a shit about anything. You probably you're, you don't have any ethically against it. Just do it. <laughs> you probably be like, okay, why not? So, all right, that's you're, enough for that. I just thought it was right, interesting. Though. You're you're probably right. I just I'm I'm. I just thought like, it was interesting. Overthinking this. You probably have a lot of strong statements on this stuff based on the statistics. You're probably right. It might have done something to help Trump win. I don't know. Maybe. But uh, yeah, it's just a talk. I just thought it'd be a fun point of conversation. But with now that, let's. let's Let's hop into Biden, Biden's gaffe of the day. And we're actually going to be getting so many more of these now that he's going to likely be the next president. So um, uh, so you want to go through it? Yeah, so Biden comes on air today. Um, he hadn't been speaking a lot. I think he got like his foot harmed, like he hurt his foot or something. And then they're like, he went back to his basement because they're like, yo, you don't need to say nothing right now, dude. The election just happened. It's all controversial. Just you stay alive until election day and we're good. <laughs> So now he's back. Biden's back in the forefront. And then he says something stupid, which Biden usually does. He said two things kind of stupid, but it was both in the same time frame. So first thing he says that Biden says 
if he had disagreement with Obama as VP, he would have developed some d- disease and resigned. It made absolutely no sense what he was thinking and what he was saying. But basically, he would have created a fake coronavirus if he didn't agree with Obama. Basically, that's basically what he said in the context of that news story. And it makes no sense. What was he? Well, trying not coronavirus. To say? Just a, he, he basically said, if I had a moral issue with Obama, instead of telling the public I'm going to resign because of we have this issue we have, I'm just going to fake being sick. So what he tells me there, I think he thinks he's being smart and saying, look, if we have an issue, we're going to handle it like men and I'll respectfully resign. What he really tells us is he doesn't have to tell us the truth. He doesn't have to. He could lie to us as long as he knows he can get away with it. I mean, is that a good way to start off your presidency after a contested election? Probably not. But guess what? It's Biden. He's going to say a lot of stupid stuff. Like I said before, Trump says stupid stuff, but on purpose. He riles up his base, gets other people angry at him, but ultimately it's going to be positive for what he thinks uh like it's gonna it's likely gonna help him in There's the long gonna run positive benef- benefit him in some way yeah, that's all i meant to say but on biden's side you never know when he's gonna say something stupid and he doesn't know either so <laughs> uh it's a good thing for us because it'll give us a lot more content to talk about and unlike trump not everyone shits on Biden, so we'll have a lot of fun with this. <laughs> so then there's another thing. Um, he comes back to his dark winter logic. So in the debates back then, um, he talked about how we're going into the dark winter, and he threw this out there again. Yeah, it's I don't Game know of Thrones. The like White Walkers Game are of coming. Thrones reference or whatever. But basically, he's saying that there's going to be more cases in the winter as like you know time goes on. As you get closer and closer yeah. to the Trump's going to turn into a dragon and start attacking people. So watch out. <laughs> but it's just a weird word phrase, like dark winter. Just it sounds, sounds fear mongery to me. Also, I will say, I think he's doing it because people that want a harsh lockdown, so a lot of people don't get sick, we, our numbers are going down. They want to see him being hardcore on the lockdown, taking a stance. It's going to be a dark winter, but we're going to lock but down and get through. He's not going to be president anyway. Until January. <laughs> yeah. And on the other side, obviously, if you're like a Republican or you're looking at it from the other side, you're going, all right, you're telling me I basically can't make money for the next six months. It's like, all right, cool. It's not thanks. just that, though. You're, you're all, it's only, it's not even Republicans. It's even poor people. The only people that benefit from this stuff are your wealthy people that can stay at home and work from home. They're the only people that benefit from lockdown because this isn't impacting them at all. And kids, because they don't get to go to school. They get to do it from home. And no stimulus. Dude, kids have it the best right now, man. <laughs> no, like, I don't know, man. No, here, look, if you're a three, four-year-old, you're going to be oh, oh, stunted okay. developmentally because you haven't me, been able to interact with people. Let me rephrase that. Teenagers. If you're 13 to 16 and you, you can't see your friends, man. From home, that you, yeah, My teen dude. sister, it's like they, they basically have a, a class, a Zoom class, and it's a joke. They'll go in some days of the week, but mostly they're doing an online class, and it's basically a joke. And you really can't really see people because all the parents are afraid that you're going to get sick and kill them. <laughs> so it's a sticky situation for everyone. Yeah. But yeah, but, no, so that was Biden's gaffe of the day yeah, moment. With that, we'll hop right into the, to our last topic, stimulus. stimulus so I personally haven't dug too deep into this. When are we ever going to get another stimulus? It seems like it's probably pretty necessary. It was probably pretty necessary in September. So when's it going to happen? Let me let me read through what we know so far. So Congress is currently aiming to pass the newest stimulus bill before holiday recess on December 18. That's when all the lawmakers will go on Christmas vacation holiday, whatever they call it, winter holidays. Um, the original plan 
at the time um, before the election stuff happened it was a 500 billion dollar plan which is set up by a bipartisan group of lawmakers and but the bill did not have a stimulus check of a thousand two hundred dollars to be given to people that were unemployed temporarily so they couldn't come up with an agreement then they had another bipartisan compromise which was authored by joe manchin he was a senator from west virginia for 908 billion dollars where 288 would be 288 billion would be allocated to small businesses from ppp and 180 billion would be unemployment aid but then when it went to the house nancy pelosi didn't like it so it got shut down well because trump was gonna get recognition for having done another stimulus so she couldn't let it happen before the election she played a political game with the american people's lives so thank you very much nancy pelosi i hope you live a nice long life (laughs) so now do you think they got their way pelosi's happy biden became president yada 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 like you know there's not our government is like super divided and when they so before it comes to january do you think they'll get it done or will they have to reauthor a whole new bill in January to get a new thing through? It's going to be have to be a whole new bill at, at the expense of the American people, the American public. And we've been saying this for months now. There's really not too much else to say about this other than people in seats of power are willing to play games with your, your and your fellow citizens' lives if you keep voting them to the office. So if you keep voting Nancy, and I understand it's just one place, but if you keep voting someone like Nancy Pelosi in the office, like this is when we when you vote in shitty people, you get shitty outcomes. So it's really Amen. sad to see. I wish we could just overcome partisanship in a in a crisis like this, but it just seems to be impossible, and that's kind of sad. And I'm, I'm not a partisan man. person, but Nancy Pelosi is like you know she's she's something. <laughs> I don't know. But I think it's like, dude, what do you do? The incumbency rate is 95%. The same morons that you like didn't like last time keep getting elected because no one is like, like strong enough to go against them. They're just too scared. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Our political scenario is trash. You're talking about democracy and building civics and like making our country great again by doing things to create more democracy or uniting the country. You ain't going that far when you keep electing the same morons to office out of all kinds of other interests that are more than your own. And, and you know, with that, I, I think we've, I think we've touched on a pessimism. lot of topics today, man. I, th- I think yeah. it was a good episode. We got, we touched on a lot of things. But yeah, I hope y'all enjoyed it. Hopefully you learned something. We will probably do another episode and not next week, but the week after. Yeah. Appreciate it. And later. Thanks guys.